Welcome into the Sports Insanity Podcast. Let's go completely insane, peeps! What is going on, sportsman? Hey, it's that old familiar face back from vacation. Lawrence Patchman Lang here, bringing you into game six, inning two on the Sports Insanity Podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. As you all know, I was away last week on vacation, but hey, that's over with. We're back. And I'm back here to be here for the rest of the game. So that's out of the way. Who else is here today? What's up, everyone? Bill Murphy here. Good morning, afternoon, evening, whatever time zone you're in. I'm Danny Boy Reginald today, I guess. Yes. Uh, Mike, the pun master, the Dolphins got a win against the New York Giants. Rifkin is here today filling in for Danny Boy. He is out celebrating with a co-worker for his birthday, so he'll be back next week. The one and only Mark, old Dops guy, Halpern, is here. And Mark is enjoying his um, cookies as he was telling me off air, because he's in a great state of mind tonight. But, is he in a New York state of mind? Yes, he is, because he lives in New York. Yes. Some folks like to get away. And, and we'll get to one team that's not in a New York state of mind in just a few moments. But for our rundown tonight, we got the Cowboys and the Saints, because, hey, Cowboys got a nice victory over the Saints, so Mark is happy. Giants and Dolphins, uh, one co-host here today is happy, while the other one is in a sad state of affairs because of another situation that he will get to talk about in a little bit with Brian Kelly and Notre Dame. And got- the Giants situation pissed me off, too. So, As my yeah. father says, Bill, it's better to be pissed off than pissed on. I like that, actually. I really like that. Wise words from Papa Rifkin. And then also we're going to talk about Washington and the Raiders and Ravens and Steelers. And then we're going to end with the 2021 Hall of Fame committee announcement of the recent inductees before the big ballot is reviewed, revealed from the writers. But to start off our show, we're going to head over to Mark Old Ops Guy Halpern for Cowboys and Saints. Well, it wasn't your traditional game that we were looking to see there was not a traditional Saints offense they had a backup quarterback they didn't have a star running back their receivers were second and thirds at best Um, they moved the ball at times pretty well but they really couldn't get anything done the Dallas Cowboys had to win this game to keep the uh, flow going and they did a hell of a job in doing so. And, you know, you take that big big breath and you hold it in. But thank God for Dak. Thank God for Zeke Elliott, who's taking the learning. He's got to take a step back a little bit. That's okay. The, Ra- uh, the Raiders, the Saints, however, dropped down again in that division. And that division's a volatile division each week it changes two spots just because of how things are but 
If you're wondering where Dallas is, Dallas is sitting nice and tight at eight and four as they head to play the Washington football team next weekend. And if Dallas wins, Dallas will have sole contempt of first place in the NFCs. You know, looking at the Saints, Taysom Hill put on a hell, well, minus his four INTs. He put on a decent showing going 19 of 41, 264 yards, two touchdowns, and 101 yards rushing. What do you think about that? Well, Taysom, Taysom Hill is a, is a combination quarterback. He can not only pass the ball 40, 50 yards down the field, but he's got that combination of running speed with muscle that he can shake off a tackle or two or get a little bit more muscle in while he's getting rushed to get a throw off. You know, hey, either way works. Also, leading rusher of the day throughout the whole game because your highest, your leading rusher was Tony Pollard for the day for 71 yards and seven carries and one TD. So good for Mr. Hill. Griffin, what do you think about the game? Um, I think the Saints need a quarterback. And that, that is the big thing this offseason. So if I'm Sean Payton and God willing, one day I could be as smart as Sean Payton. They have to go big game hunting. How they make it work cap-wise, I don't know. That's for someone way smarter than me. But they need to figure out if they can go get Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Watson. I don't care. They have talent on this team, and they should be better than what they are. Taysom Hill's not the answer. He's your most important offensive weapon, not named Alvin Kamara, who's been out with a knee injury. They're they're done for this year. For the Cowboys, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. I think it's time to reel Zeke in a little bit and let Tony Pollard roll because you need Zeke down the stretch and into the playoffs. What you do now is... You have to get there first, but I think the Cowboys are just head and shoulders better than every other team in this division. You can let Zeke rest a couple of weeks going into the playoffs and roll with Tony Pollard. So that's the thing. The Saints need a quarterback, and the, the Cowboys can go rest Zeke. The other thing, Mike McCarthy, you better watch out, dude. You didn't coach on Sunday due to COVID. You may be fired because Dan Quinn is now undefeated as the Cowboys head coach. So you better watch (laughs) your back, Jack. Bill, any thoughts about the game from Sunday? Uh, Yeah, I think, you know, how this Dallas team has been beaten up recently with some of the injuries. I think they looked really good on – I think they looked really good on um, Thursday. Um, And – and all I gotta say is, um, as they sit, as they sit very comfortably at the NFC East, at the top. Um, yeah, that was very painful to say. But anyway, um, yeah, I think Dak looked good, Pollard looked good, and the Saints. You know, I agree with what you you guys are saying. I, I don't see Taysom Hill. I think you gotta go for a new quarterback. Russell Wilson saying he wants to go to a team that's established and maybe that's New Orleans. So maybe New Orleans should 
maybe New Orleans should put everything on the, you know, should give up their draft picks for the next 50 years oh, to well, get Russell Wilson. Well, I was being facetious, by the way. Well, also, well, also, the Saints just gave Taysom Hill a contract extension. So he just got paid more money to stay in New Orleans for another four years. Right. So. Well, this, they can manipulate that depending on the position he plays. It's he, right. Which very weirdly worded. Yeah. That's right. why they're good attorneys, and that's why they're great attorneys. All right. Moving on to. Um, the battle of our two co-hosts is um, teams, the Dolphins and the Giants. And we'll start with the losers first. We'll, we'll let the winners gloat a little bit more. We'll start with the Giants and Bill. Bill, what do you think about the Giants' performance on Sunday? Okay. What do I have to say about this team anymore? Like, seriously. Okay. I will give one bright side. One bright side. One. No. Love the card game, Uno. Solid yeah, game. We'll play later. But anyway, the defense actually has been looking decent lately. That's what I will say. They are putting in a solid effort. I think they actually did better yesterday than the score reflected. That being said, the offense, you know what? I have to say this. And, you know, I texted this to Mike yesterday, and he basically told me to, told me to cry him a river. Um, because True here's, story. Here's the thing. The offense sucks. Getting rid of Jason Garrett was only the tip of the iceberg. And listen, I'm happy Jason Garrett's gone. The guy was a joke. I'm glad he's gone. Freddie Kitchens isn't doing much better. He's not doing much better, folks. And here's the thing. And here's the thing with Joe Judge. And listen, I said this last week. I said, give Joe Judge another year. I'm highly reconsidering that. Like, tell Barkley, get what you can for him. The thing with Joe Judge is like, there's, it's like, you know, of course, the classic a couple weeks ago, well, uh, uh, my headset, I couldn't see the game, the headset. Does that sound like leadership? If that's leadership in a team, then you know what, Fel? You know what, buddy? I got a bridge to sell you. And this is a guy who yesterday is like, I saw a lot of positives coming out of the offense. Were we watching the same game, Joe? Were we watching the same game? This guy is just, Joe Judge is a freaking moron. And just the inconsistent use of timeouts. And like, why are you going to call a timeout when you have seven seconds left in the first quarter? That's, a, that's ridiculous. And plus, You're very quick to judge this guy, man. Good pun. But anyway, <laughs> I'm just getting started. Galladay, waste of money. Waste of money. This guy hasn't even scored a freaking touchdown yet. This was our big guy we're going to shell the money out for. I mean, and, I mean, how many touchdowns have the Giants really gotten all season? The Giants have the same amount of touchdowns as Jonathan Taylor. That is a very it's, fair point. And you know what? The offense just looks terrible and sad and pathetic. And just and just getting back to Joe Judge for one quick second, it's like I remember a couple weeks ago after Garrett was fired, I was listening to Boomer and Geo on the fan, and Geo said it perfectly. Now that Garrett's gone, 
judge doesn't have anyone to blame anymore. Judge has got to be held accountable. And listen, last week I was willing to give him another chance, but you know what? I don't know if I can do it anymore. I think maybe it's best for Judge to go, but the genius known as John Mara isn't going to do it. He's not worried about people getting taunted. Because we were, exactly, because we were talking last week about how David Gettleman most likely is going to be gone after the season. And you know what he's going to do. He's going to do typical John Mara crap. And he's going to pick, he's going to pick Dave Gettleman's assistant to be the GM. So he can keep Joe Judge. And you know what? This is apps. This is just, and the quarterback situation, don't get me started on that. Like Daniel Jones, who's, I, I think there's a chance he's going to be out for the rest of the year. I hate to say it. And then Mike Glennon gets gets a concussion. You literally cannot make this shit up, folks. You can't make this up if you try. So now we got to go to Strong. Who was signed from the Bills practice squad, just so the listeners know. Signed from the Georgia Bills. legend, Jake Fromm. You put respect on that man's name. It, listen, I wish Mr. Fromm all the best. I wish him well. Hopefully he... He plays well on he plays well on Sunday. If he does, welcome to New York with open arms. But this is this is a joke. It is time to fire everyone except Patrick Graham. He can stay. His defense is doing well. He can stay. No but, clean house. No clean house. Be done with it. And and like let me tell you something. And I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. I do not want to hear about Russell Wilson until that offensive line is fixed. I don't want to give up draft picks for the next 38 years. I, we don't have the cap space. We don't have the freaking cap space. And listen, Daniel Jones is not perfect. He's far from it. But you need someone who's going to mold him. I don't think Joe Judge is the guy. You need an offensive line that's going to protect him. And you've got to get into the draft on that one, folks. So... Timeout. Can I be Joe Judge for a second? Timeout. Did you just say the words you'd rather have Daniel Jones as your quarterback than Russell Wilson? Well, here's the thing. Russell Wilson's getting up there in age. And listen, I have a lot of respect for the man. He's getting up there in age. Are we going to build a team around a 30-something-year-old quarterback? Are we going to? And you said it last week, Mike, that the um, whole you're going to get offensive linemen to come to New York. If we get Russell Wilson, we're not going to have the money. We don't have the cap space. Russell Wilson's 33, so he's not that well, 33, old. 33, okay, I got that mixed he's up. In with the prior of his career. That's my fault, so, I'm sorry. So, oh, oh, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, because I've lived in New York my entire life, and I've known incompetence. I deal with Met fans all the time, and yet Yankee fans too. That's a whole other conversation. First and foremost, you're not wrong when you talk about organizationally, everyone's got to go. Gettleman, Judge, Freddie, I should have stayed in the kitchens. Da- Daniel Jones is a part of this too. He's got to go too. Saquon, as much as I love Saquon, no, I love I'm Saquon done. too. I, I, I think, think we're more time to put faith in Devontae Booker right now. We, I think we more love the, the theory of what Saquon should be than what he is. Can you elaborate on that a little bit, Mike? I think everyone looks to the highlight reel runs and says, hey, this is what he should be. 
in reality, that's not what he's been. That that's what I'm referring to. I think your treatment of Kenny Galladay is unfair because he hasn't had consistent quarterback play all year, and Jason Garrett, who decided to give the whole offense the clap, <laughs> didn't get him the ball. When you sign a guy for nineteen million dollars, you gotta get him the ball. That's first things for that. That's all first thing. Second thing, if you're going to trade for Russell Wilson, which I think the Giants are way more talented than the record shows. Maybe that's a personal belief. Maybe I'm totally wrong in misreading this team. When you bring in a star, and this is really more true in the NBA, but I think it can happen in football too. If you bring in a star, other guys are going to come want to play with that guy. Aaron Rodgers has that kind of pull. Tom Brady for sure has that kind of pull. By the way, oh, Bruce my- Arians, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for something, Bruce, from you. So I, I don't think there's a real issue there. But you have to decide what you are as a franchise. Are you going to retool this? Or you, do you think you can win? And that's going to come, A, from the general managers higher, B, whoever the head coach is going to be, and C, you know, you have to make that determination. <clears throat> All right. Before we get to the Dolphins side of the football, just a quick note for the Giants. Mike Lennon, 23 of 44, 187 yards, one INT, three sacks. Barkley led the way with rushing with 11 carries for 55 yards. And Evan Ingram led the way with receiving uh, four receptions for 61 yards with a long being 18. Should have made that catch yesterday. All right. Now to the Dolphins side, the winning team. Mike, what'd you think about um, the Dolphins and Tua? With Tua time. Okay. So the, for, first and foremost, let's get to the most important part. This is five in a row. This is five in a row for the Miami Dolphins. And I am a sucker because I'm going to go, I'm all in. They're going to win out the rest of the season and they're going to go 10 and seven and they're going to make the playoffs. This is now going to be a thing. All in. Two was fine. Look, he does what he has to do. Look, his arm is not as big as Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow. I don't give a damn. He completes passes, and that's what matters. Jalen Waddle is now becoming a – he's a stud, Jalen Waddle. Devontae Parker comes back. He has a nice return. They still can't run the ball for to save their lives or their children, but that's a story for another day. But we got to talk about the defense. I don't give a damn if it's Mike Lennon, Daniel Jones, Eli Manning, Phil Sims. The Dolphins' defense is back. And it's the young guys. Jalen Phillips has another sack. Javon Holland, another for another draft pick this year, playing out of his mind. Xavier Howard with an interception. This defense is ball, and Tua's got to just do whatever he can to get this team points. They're on a roll. They're not losing this week because no one ever loses the bye unless you're the New York Jets. They're rolling at the right time, and it's time to go. So good for Tua, good for Brian Flores. Bill, the Giants suck. Yeah, thank you for my daily reminder. You're welcome. I I could text you every morning if you want. 
No, no, no. You guys did play decent yesterday. I'm going to give you that. You guys played good yesterday, but and, please don't try to give me a heart attack today. And and just quick note for Dolphins leaders, uh, Tua, 30 of 41, 244 passing, two TDs. Gaskin, 15 carries for 44 yards. And then Jalen Waddle led the way with nine receptions for 90 yards. So good on the Dolphins. The Giants' woes continue. And, and uh, I get more and more depressed about it. All right. Moving on to another team. Talk to someone. Another team moving uh, moving up in the NFC least, as Rifkin puts it. The Washington football team got a nice win over the Las Vegas Raiders. 17 to 15. So they won in the house, as they would say in the poker world. They beat the house. So we'll go with that. 17 to 15. Uh, we'll start with Washington. Henneke showing improvement. 23 of 30, 196 yards passing, two TDs, one INT. What'd you think, Rifkin, about Henneke? First of all, the best thing about Taylor Heineke is if he had an end to his last name, he's Taylor Heineke. That's first and foremost. He's played well. And look, my thing is this. If he continues to play this way, there's going to be no more talks of a quarterback need in Washington. He's going to be the guy. He's playing well. I, I got to give him the credit where it's due. Uh, we know how good McLaurin is. Antonio Gibson's a stud. They may have lost Logan Thomas, um, waiting the results of that, but they fear the worst. But this is good. He plays well enough to win. So I get. I give him a lot of credit. Bill, um, I think. Um, I think Heineken. Uh, Heineke. I almost said Heineken. I think Heineke played very well yesterday. Not sponsored. And you know what? I'm going to be honest with this Washington team. They're the sleeper team in this division. Like they are the, they are Dallas's, they are Dallas's fiercest competition. And, you know, I think they're, I think like next week when it comes to Dallas, Washington, that's going to be a big game. And I think Dallas needs to needs needs to prep up because I think that's going to be a hell of a I think that's going to be a hell of a game. Washington's their biggest competition, so but but you know what I, I do want to talk about that call really quick. That was a pass interference, and they all know it. Okay, I, I don't want to talk about it because that rule's too inconsistent to begin with. That's my problem. Pass. Interference is too inconsistent. We have too much of an issue with it. They call it some of the time. They don't call it all the time. I'm more in favor of letting the guys play. Absolutely. But the person I, I got to give the most credit to for the Washington turnaround. Yeah, we could talk Heineke. Talk Antonio Gibson. Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera is the freaking man. I think we... When it's all said and done, we could talk about how great he's, but this isn't easy what he's had to deal with. They've had injuries, Chase Young's down for the year, and he's got that team fighting, and they're playing really good football right now. So that's really important right now. So good for Ron Rivera. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So you think it's going to be a tough competition? 
in the uh, NFC I think, East. Listen, if Dallas wins Sunday, the division's over. Oh, I agree. That, I totally agree. That's as simple as that. Listen, if Washington could do a couple of things, man, they, they just can't turn the ball over. You don't turn the ball over and you can run the ball a little bit. They have a good chance if they could do both those things. And they got to get pressure on Dak. That that would be the three things I would say. But a lot I, of things to do. Yeah. I, I mean, is the game, let me look. Is the game in Dallas or is it in Washington? Washington. Weather could also be a factor. So, yeah. oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, whoever wins the line of scrimmage probably wins the game. You know, Right now, I'd lean Cowboys, but I'm not confident in it at all. Watch, it's going to be like snow and everything. A flip side to the Raiders, who've just – I mean, I don't know what to make of the Raiders. They they lost all those games. They beat the Cowboys Thanksgiving, then they lose yesterday. and It just goes from bad to worse if you're a Raiders fan. I think the Raiders have kind of been exposed. No, they could have, I don't think that they've been exposed. They have too much that hasn't been put into be played to say that. I would say the better answer you're looking for is they're they're on a high. What way can we bring them back down? You know, so you know the little snirk, the little snare, the little Gruden's got you by your red little hairs. You know, there you go. They've dealt with so much drama. Gruden, Henry Ruggs, Arnett, who's a clown shoe, but that's all another conversation. Mm. But at the end of the day, Derek Carr is still playing great football, and he gives them an opportunity every game to win. They didn't have Darren Waller yesterday, but they had Hunter Renfro, who I'm just saying Hunter Renfro is the new West Welker. That is who he is. And if they can... I just wish they would run the ball a little bit more with Josh Jacobs, but that's a, it's a whole nother conversation. But, you know, I, I just wonder about them too this offseason. We talk about Wilson, we talk about Rodgers. Is there a chance Derek Carr could get moved this offseason? We've talked about that in the past. I think there could be a lot of teams that could use uh, Carr's services. You know, yeah, um, but, but I don't want to trade draft picks for Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah, no. so why would I trade him for Derek Carr? Well, in this case, Derek Carr would become a cheaper option than Russell Wilson would. A team like the Giants, Derek Carr, I think, would fit in very well with with the wide receiver core that they have. They have a running game place, and they have a defense that is not horrible, but not great either. But I, I could see him in New York. Bill, did you like my impression of you? It was fantastic, Rifkin. Um, uh, yeah, um, I could maybe see Derek Carr going to New York. I, it's a possibility, but I don't know. And plus, it would help us save up cap space. We got to see what happens in that department. Yeah, but getting back to, yeah, the um, Washington looked good yesterday. Box call. It was totally a pass interference. But other than that, uh, yeah, I'm still on that. Oh, my God. You and Sean Payton should go challenge pass interferences together. 
Listen, <laughs> listen, they tried that challenge last season and it didn't work. So I don't want to hear any more calls about it. It should have been pass interference. It wasn't pass interference. Another thing, it, he might be past his time, but we'll let everyone discuss that with Big Ben. Um, Steelers etched out a win against the Baltimore Ravens, 20 to 19. Big Ben going 21 to 31, 260, 260, 236 yards passing, two TDs. Bill, what'd you think about Big Ben's performance on Sunday? I think Ben, I think Big Ben had a decent game. And I think a little shaky at times, but I think he did good. And also, I think, I think overall, um, I just want to say how Big Ben announced that he's most likely retiring at the end of the season. I just want to say, congratulations, Ben. Enjoy your retirement when it comes. But listen, he I, hasn't said, confirmed it, so we don't know. Confirmed or deny it yet? There's just speculation. Okay, my fault. I apologize. Um, Damn right, your fault. <laughs> <laughs> I love this company. Anyway, ignoring the peanut gallery, um, I think the Steelers looked good yesterday, but I will say I think at the end they got lucky. Lamar Jackson botching the two-point conversion. He gave a boneheaded call I've seen in a long time. Yeah, I would have just gone for the extra point. I had up. Take chances right, sometimes. First game, what'd you think of Sunday's game? Uh, I, I think the Steelers owe Big Ben a lot. I think he won that game for him. He played fine. Uh, TJ Watt was really good. I just don't – I get going for two there if you're the Ravens. It's just – just take the one, go to overtime. Take the Agreed. one. And I love John Harbaugh. I absolutely love John Harbaugh. But, man, I have a hard time with that one. Yeah, Justin Tucker, just take the one. But I agree. Listen, Steelers-Ravens, it's the best rivalry in all of football right now. So it lived up to the hype. This is, a go- this is what happens when you're overly ambitious and you decide to go for the win instead of going into OT. Also looking at Lamar Jackson, seven sacks on the day for him. Ugh. Three and a half of them coming from T.J. Watt. And he made a great play on the last, the two-point conversion play, getting in Lamar's face, a ball that Mark Andrews still should have caught. Mm. But it's a whole nother conversation. But listen, he he's, once again, he's going to be in the ring for defensive player of the year. I think you got like four or five really good ones this year. You got him, you got Diggs, you got Aaron Donald, who deserves the award every year. That's a whole nother conversation. You, know, you got others too. Also for the Ravens, Marlon Humphrey, Torn Pactoral, he's out for the year. That's a huge okay, loss. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's official. That came from Ian Rappaport today. But And Mark, any thoughts from yesterday's game from Ravens and Steelers? You know, I, I get I give a lot of credit to this game up and down the field on both sides of the ball. You know, you can see that Big Ben isn't what he was, and we've talked about this week after week. So I'm not going to dive too deep into it. He couldn't get the throws he wanted, and you know, him making his comments 
was just way of using word of mouth to get it out there. Um, what I don't understand is why call for a two-point conversion when there's 16 seconds left and a field goal chip shot for Justin Tucker to hit ties it up. You go into the extra times. Uh, you go into overtime and you beat them there. I do not get the point of risking it. If there was more time on the clock, maybe, but not there. If you're going to blow it, go for it seriously. Go crazy for new episodes of the Sports Insanity podcast every week. Now available on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you get your podcast. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -mm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever. Hi. Oh, hey. Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit StopTextsStopRex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Sports Insanity Podcast on the Sports Insanity Network. Make sure to like us on Facebook by searching SIN Sports Insanity Podcast. And also follow us on Twitter by searching at SIN Sports Insanity. And now back to the bottom half of the inning on the Sports Insanity Podcast. Moving on, we're going to head over to the college football world. Because Bill has some stuff to get off his chest. Oh, I have a lot of stuff to get off my chest. And we'll let you order the veterinarian and the veterinary cleaner to clean up after Bill gets that off his chest. And I might have, and you might want to, and I might want to have my priest standing by because I might have to go to confession after this rant. So anyway, for those of you who have been living under a rock, um, Brian Kelly. Patrick Starr. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) um anyway brian kelly left notre dame last week to go to lsu and i have to admit that was absolute and i think the way he left i think i kind of blame him and i blame the university first we're going to talk about why brian kelly is to blame because he was talking to a family and he was trying to recruit their son to Notre Dame. He went over, they had dinner, and he said he was going. Ten minutes later, he leaves. After he leaves, oh, yeah, by the way, I'm leaving Notre Dame. I'm going to LSU. What the hell? What the hell, Brian Kelly? What was that? And then, yeah, he follows the money, folks. Follows the money, but that's every college coach, I guess. And yeah, I just want to say another thing at his LSU press conference. He's talking now with a Southern accent. Yeah, way to pander to the crowd, Brian. And listen, Brian Kelly has done good at Notre Dame for the past, for, for the years he's been there. He's the winningest coach in Notre Dame history, passing Newt Rockney this year. But I just think the way he went about it was not so good. And... And Rifkin's playing me a sad song in the world's smallest violin. Our second SpongeBob reference in 10 seconds. But anyway, um, but then, you know what? Here's where I blame the university. 
most of the players found out through social media and the news. I think in that case, the university should have told their communications, their public relations department, we're embargoing this information. Don't talk to the press. Don't talk to anyone until Coach Kelly speaks to the team. Do not do anything. And the moment he's done talking, tell everyone and their mothers. But until Coach Kelly speaks to the team, do not say anything. And he comes in basically after the news leaked out. Brian Kelly basically had to tell all of them over a text. That's like getting a breakup over a text. Yeah, but that's because insiders broke the news. This isn't new. You're all, you're a kid. You're on social media all the time. So, but no, they were they were reporting it. But Mike, do you agree or disagree that the university should have said, "Do not talk to the press until Coach Kelly speaks to the team"? I don't think they talked to the press. Did the pl- I don't think the players have that kind of access. No, I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the university itself. I mean, the university could do whatever they want. I, I just think, like, I think it's the way he went about it's wrong. And wow, we're agreeing on stuff tonight. This is this is a this is a pleasant surprise. Yeah, well, go talk to your priest about it tomorrow. <laughs> and here's he- where my here's where my problem is with the NCAA. And I'm gonna make this short and sweet, and we can move on. There's $95 million to be had for Brian Kelly to coach, and he could leave at any point. But we can't pay the players. That's no, some bull jive up in there. I agree. But yeah, so, to everyone yeah. at the, to the NCAA, and I gave you credit earlier because you got the four teams right for the playoff. Find a way. Let's make this work. Make, yeah, but, make it a thing. Pay the players. Anyway, like back to – Getting back to Brian Kelly for one second, because at that moment, they didn't know if they were going to the college football playoffs or anything. They weren't going regardless. Because the other games weren't to be played. But here's the thing. I think they should do what the NFL does. Like during like postseason stuff, I think maybe it's just for the teams who are in the playoffs. I may have heard this wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll, I'll own it. But I heard like coaches cannot interview for other positions. I If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But in I, the NFL, you cannot interview a coach until that team is eliminated from the playoffs. Or un- unless they have the first round bye, which it's up to the coach if he wants to do it, I believe. Yeah. But they, but I think the way Brian Kelly went about it was wrong. I think he should have, and like you just recruited someone, and it's just like, okay, bye. I want to say I wish him well at LSU, but I don't. He did the same thing at Cincinnati, so. Come to Notre Dame. Yeah, so you shouldn't be surprised. So, yeah, Brian Kelly can go scratch. Oh, don't be mad. Promising. Dude, he gets to hang out with Tony the Tiger. (laughs) That's great. It's more than good. They're great. Hashtag not sponsored. Not sponsored. Speaking we know of, they're listening. R- Rifkin mentioned it briefly. The college football playoff is now set as well with Alabama one, 
Michigan two, Georgia three, and Cincy four. Did they get it right? 147% they're right. Now, the, the only argument I will listen to, I don't even think it's – is Alabama-Michigan for one and two. That's the only argument I'll have. I mean, me anybody. too. I, I think That's Michigan the, should have been number one. Listen, you want to have that argument, we could – have it i don't care nah, but they got the it. four teams right and they that's did get the matters. four teams right i will say that and, and, and he, he, here's the question i posed this in the blog i wrote for the website check it out if cincinnati had lost who's the fourth team because oklahoma state lost and cincinnati beat notre dame head to head so you can't put notre dame in would Cincinnati have gotten in with one loss? I think so, yes. Very possible. It's very possible, but we will never know that situation because it won't happen. I, I can't wait for New Year's Eve now. These two games, oh, Georgia-Michigan, oh, my God. The when Bama. Cincinnati beats Alabama, take that, a- Nick Saban, you oh. jerk. Not the biggest Alabama fan. I hope Alabama loses just to see Alabama blame it because they had a bad day or something because Alabama fans will find excuses with their team. Oh, I agree. Mark, what do you think about the college football? As I said before, I'll say again, college football, I really do not watch them what's going on. I turn them on because it's the bowl games on New Year's Day, and then I get to hear about players who are transitioning from then on out. So when it's a big, bigger news story, then I might be on top of it a little bit more. All right. So we'll see in a few weeks when Mark is a little more ready for the college football games. Once and again, I call on a very dear friend of mine who's a college football expert. Yes. It, once again, Thanks, will... man. I wouldn't call myself an expert, but you know. No, you'll like this guy. He's, he's a cool guy. You, you'll like him. I don't know if he's your friend. That that says something to me. <laughs> but, but once again, it's Alabama one, Michigan two, Georgia three, Cincy four. Alabama will play Cincinnati, and Michigan will play Georgia in a few weeks. Moving on, we had the. I would say a little mini announcement for the Hall of Fame class of 2021. The rest of the ballot is not revealed yet because we're still waiting on votes to come in for that. But from the Golden Days Era Committee and the Early Baseball Era Committee, both turned in their ballots and we have some new inductees into the 2021 Hall of Fame class or 2022, however you want to classify it as. You got Jill Hodges. Jim Cat, uh, Minnie Minuso, Tony Olivia were voted in from the Golden Days Era Committee, and then Bud Fowler and Buck O'Neill were chosen from the Early Baseball Eras Committee. So, congrats to our new class, and why does and all these are well deserving? If, if anyone did their oh, research, absolutely. All players are from, you know, well before our heyday, you know, even as young kids. I mean, I am ecstatic to see that Gil Hodges is going in, going in from Brooklyn. Buck double play O'Neill as he played his time in the minors mostly. Um, 
And then Mini Minoso, the only player to play in five different decades of baseball. I mean, that's that's an accomplishment in and of itself. Yeah. And, and uh, Jim, Jim Cott's very well deserving as well. Great big game pitcher back in the day. So glad to see he got in too. But Golden Era Committee, I'm, I'm waiting on Keith Hernandez. It's about time we put Keith Hernandez in the Hall of Fame. And not just for his glorious mustache. Mustache itself gets its own wing once he's put in. Oh, yeah, absolutely. He has to shave off the mustache, and then it's framed, and then he grows out a new mustache. Speaking of the Hall of Fame, do we think Barry Bonds gets in on this ballot? Oh, I was going to ask that. Two great minds think alike. Um, Nope. Patch has a great mind. I don't know what you got. Um, I, I hope he does, but I have this weird feeling that it's not going to happen. He's not getting in. Clemens isn't getting in. But baseball writers, you're not immune to this. If I see a good percentage for Alex Rodriguez, I'm coming after you. I'll come with you. You heard it from me. I'm coming yeah. after you. Uh, who else is on the ballot this year? Uh, first time, I don't know, but someone I know his politics are wrong, but Kurt Schilling deserves to be a baseball Hall of Famer. No, Mike, I 100% agree with you. I, if you I take don't politics his... away and you just focus the baseball, Kurt Schilling should be there. One of the best pitchers, and as a Yankee fan, I'm saying this one of the best pitchers in baseball, especially the. Bloody Sock game. Bloody Sock game. The 001 World Series. And listen, Kurt Schilling has a history of kicking my ass as a Yankee fan. But you know what? He is one of the best pitchers. And listen, like Mike said, I, I shouldn't say agree. his politics are wrong. His actions were wrong. I don't agree with his views and his actions. I don't. But that has nothing to do with his performance yeah. on the field. That has absolutely nothing to do with it. And I do think he should be inducted. He's Scott Rowland should get in one of the best defensive third basemen I've ever probably the best I've ever seen. And I think this is Schillen's last chance too. Like if he this is the last year of eligibility, correct me if I'm wrong. I think um it's Bonds and Clemens, I know. I don't know if Schilling has another I, year. I think Schillen. Hold on, let me look. There's um, 17 I mean, people on the ballot this year. Um, the people that are in their ninth year of eligibility, it's Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens. You got Scott Rowland, Omar Vesquel, Billy Wagner, Todd Helton, Gary Sheffield, Andrew Jones, uh, Jeff Kent. Manny's on the ballot for the – he's in his fifth year on the ballot. Sammy Sosa's on there in the ninth year. Pettit's on the third. And then a couple first times are Mark uh, – Burel, Torrell Hunter, Tim Hudson. Torrey Hunter. Torrey Hunter. Uh, sorry, baseball reference, I think, had a, has a mis- misspelling on here. Uh, Bobby Abreu is on second time. And then Tim Hudson, once again, just to mention him, was on first time. Andrew Jones deserves a lot of consideration, too. He Great. was a hell of a ball player. Um, I don't know about Billy Wagner because relievers are different. I'd have no issues putting Billy Wagner in. 
And the other guy is Todd Helton. I know there's a, a theme of people hating Colorado. You just put Larry Walker in, put Todd Helton in too. Guy was a good, for, really good first baseman. For me, I hope Bonds gets in. And then, I agree. And then, uh, just to piss people off, I hope Alex Rodriguez gets in one day. Oh, uh, Patch, you, you are just. Uh, along with Sammy uh, Sosa and Kurt Schilling as well, they're all deserving. You know what? Regardless of, you know, the stance of steroids and the chase between Sosa and McGuire, the, the little juice helped save baseball back in the day. We'll no, Sosa, McGuire, Bonds, Clemens. I, Bonds and Clemens are whole another conversation. Sosa, Sosa, McGuire. I think should be in. My problem with A Rod is two. One, he lied about taking steroids the first time. Oh, absolutely. And then two, he had bi- the biogenesis thing, and that to oh, me, yeah. that's enough. <laughs> and as great of a player as he was, and he was, I, I'll admit it. Before he admitted to taking the steroids and lying. He was my favorite non-Met ever. Then he lied about taking steroids, and what was the point? Why are you covering it up? That was the thing. Uh, I agree. And listen, if we go back to the old days at Duchess Radio, Patch can tell you that I, he would say A-Rod and, my, and I would get pissed off. But, you know, like, that's the thing. It's not that he just took steroids. It's the fact that he lied about it on national TV. All right. Yeah. Well, well, the writers decide that we're just measly podcast people that just give our views and takes and some Listen, opinions. writers, I'm watching you. I'm going to pay very close attention to that number. All right. With that said, we have reached the end of inning two of game six here on the Sports Insanity podcast on the Sports Insanity Network to do dance plug today we're gonna say make sure you're following us on twitter for the network that is sin si insanity real and then for our podcast sports insanity podcast make sure you're following that at sin's sports insane and make sure you go to our website to check out blogs and learn more about ourselves with www.thesportsinsanitynetwork.com i am lawrence hatchman lang I'm Bill Murphy. I am the one and only Mark. Hold up, guy. Albert. For today, I was Danny Boy Reginald. Also, visit www.onlyfans.com backslash Nathan Moser. Uh, you will enjoy those. There are a lot of sexy Bill's pictures on there, I heard. With that yeah, said, we, we will see you guys next week for inning three of game six of the sports insanity podcast on the sports insanity network. Take care. Danny boy Reginald here uh, for the uh, podcast update before I get to bills Patriots. And that was a a big win by the Patriots. um, Big loss by the bills. I do want to get to that. Uh, I do want to correct the guy because they, they just got off the Hall of Fame segment. I want to make a big correction. This is a major, major correction here. There are actually 30 people 
on this ballot. I think Patch was looking at the 2021 ballot because it said because the that ballot was saying that Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens were in their ninth years. Then the 22 ballot, the ones that the writers are currently voting on, they're going to vote on. This is the 10th year that Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens are on the ballot, and that is their final year. That is their final year on the ballot. So I want to make a big correction here, and obviously uh, the, the biggest one is the fact that, and I think Rifkin was the only one to mention this, the fact that Alex Rodriguez is in his first year on the ballot. This is his first ballot for Alex Rodriguez. It is also the first ballot for Big Poppy. David Ortiz, Mark Teixeira, Jimmy Rollins, Carl Crawford, Jake Peavy, Justin Morneau, Prince Fielder, Joe Nathan, Tim Lincecum, Jonathan Papelbon, A.J. Pierzynski, and Ryan Howard. All of them are on the ballot for the first time. So I, I want to make sure that uh, that those names are out there because that, that, he... Because again, the, the the names of the first ballot for the year were wrong. The ones that Patchy pointed out were not even close. So I, I wanted to uh, make sure that I give a correction to that. Uh, he had mentioned that the first there were first years for um, Mark Burley and Tory Hunter and Tim Hudson, and I I also want to make sure that I correct that it's their. It's the second year. I, I want to make sure that it was it was not the first year. That it's their second ballot. And uh, by the way, yes, it's Mark Burley, Patchy, not Mark uh, Burrell, whatever the heck he said. Mark Burley, who by the way, you know, had a, a pretty stellar career, uh, pitching uh, mostly for the uh, the Chicago White Sox. But yeah, so and uh, the Tory Hunter, it's Tory Hunter. That was not two L's; those are two I's. Patch. So I do want to make that correction. I don't mean to bash anyone. This is not me, you know, uh, making fun of anyone, bashing them. This is just making sure that I get the correct information out there uh, for anyone that's listening to our podcast. So there are not seventeen people on the ballot. There are thirty people on this ballot with a bunch of first-timers, the big ones, Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz. Those are the biggest ones that are on their first ballot for the Hall of Fame. And then the biggest one on their last ballot, Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens. Kurt Schilling, last year, after he got, again, 71% of the vote, which is, you know, up by a lot, you know, that's, that's actually fairly close. Um... Kurt Schilling actually said that he would not like to be uh, voted in by the writers, but he wanted to vote it in by the committees later on, whatever committee that he gets on. He wanted to be voted in by a committee into the Hall of Fame because he does not trust the writers. He actually said that last year. So, um, but uh, Kurt Schilling is on the ballot this year. I don't know how many votes he's going to get. Um, it should, if I mean, hopefully the the his statement from last year about him not not wanting to be voted in by the writers, hopefully that doesn't turn the writers off. And if it doesn't turn them off, he should see a slight increase. Again, Kurt Schilling has been increasing. All three of them, really, Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens, have seen slight increases over the years. So, 
They are starting to come around just a bit. For Kurt Schilling, he is close. I wish Kurt Schilling would never have said that he wanted to be voted in by a committee because, like, he's he's very close. It's only four percent. I mean, I know I know that's probably too much, too many writers to vote him in, and he may not get it. But like, I wish he wouldn't have said that because he's so close. He is so close. He's like right there. So. I don't know. Hopefully that doesn't turn off some riders. And uh, hopefully he gets another slight increase, which I'm expecting him to get a slight increase. I'm not expecting him to get it in. But, you know, what it shows is that some of these riders are coming around saying, you know what, maybe these guys are Hall of Famers. It doesn't matter um, what their past looks like. The fact of the matter is they're Hall of Famers. Um, What their numbers say or whatever. Yeah, so I... I'm glad that um, the writers are starting to come around. I'm not going to agree with the writers on um, a lot of these players. I'm sorry. I like Scott Rowland as a player. Scott Rowland should not have more votes than Sammy Sosa. Sammy Sosa, who's, an- who's another one that's on their on the, the final year of the ballot. Um, Sammy Sosa sh- should not be getting less votes than Scott Rowland. That's just me. Sammy Sosa was an unbelievable player of his time. Like, obviously, Barry Bonds is better than Sammy Sosa. But Sosa, you know, was one of the biggest uh, baseball players of that late 90s, you know, mid to late 90s. You know, back when baseball, you know, was still recovering from the lockout, he helped save baseball. That in itself, with that home run chase with Mark McGuire, in uh, 98, that in itself should be Hall of Fame worthy. And the fact that it isn't is just absolutely ridiculous. Um, so, uh, obviously, Sammy Sosa is dropping big time. He only got 70, 17% of the votes. Um, so, that, that that that's rough. Andy Pettit's there, too, on his fourth year. Only got about 14% of the vote. Another notable name, Gary Sheffield. He's in his eighth year. Only got 40% of the vote. Um, Rifkin mentioned Billy Wagner. I don't think Billy Wagner gets in with the writers, but he, I think he will it, 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 because Billy Wagner was, again, a, a big-time reliever. Like, you have to keep in mind, Billy Wagner is actually one of the great, one of the better relievers of his time. So uh, I think there's definitely a chance for Billy Wagner to get in via committee, just not with the writers. And I know it's tough, but you know, it's tough to put in relievers. You know, you're not, you, you not, it's not often that you see relief pitchers like a Mariano Rivera or a Trevor Hoffman, you know, that or who are unbelievable closers. So, it's it's a tough one. It is really tough. I don't think Billy Wagner gets in. He definitely has numbers for Hall of Fame. I am going to say that Billy Wagner definitely has numbers for Hall of Fame. Uh, I don't know if he gets he does doesn't get in with the writers, but he, if he gets into a committee, he absolutely will. I don't know when that will be, but he should get in with a committee. Um, he also meant uh, they also mentioned Andrew Jones. He's a He's borderline. I mean, he has he certainly has the the home run stats, but the batting average is pretty low. Lifetime batting average for Andrew Jones is two fifty four. Um, 
which is a, t- a little that's low. That's a, a pretty low batting average. So, um, me, I, I would even put in Gary Sheffield. Like, I'm surprised Gary Sheffield's not getting the respect after eight times on the ballot. I'm, I'm surprised. Uh, you know, he has 500 home runs and a lifetime batting average of 292, and then he has over. You know, twenty six hundred hits like that. That that to me, that's enough for me to get. Like I would definitely vote for him. I'm not surprised that he's not getting uh, enough uh, licks at it too. But uh, whatever the case is, uh, good luck to everyone that's on the ballot. I really hope that um, one of these days. Kurt Schilling, Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, they see themselves go to Cooperstown. It's probably not going to be with the writers. Hopefully it's with a committee. I don't have confidence in it. I have more confidence with Wag Billy Wagner than I do with uh, Schilling, Bonds, and Clemens, unfortunately. Um, and that that's a shame. That is an absolute shame. Um, but best of luck to everyone that's on the ballot. Again, I... I the correction here, there's 30 people on the ballot. 30 people are on this ballot this year. And there are a bunch of first-timers. You had Alex Rodriguez, David Ortiz. Those are the two biggest names. And then, of course, Mark DeShera, Jimmy Rollins, Carl Crawford, Jake Peavy, Justin Morneau, Prince Fielder, Joe Nathan, Tim Lincecum, Jonathan Papelbon, A.J. Pierzynski, and Ryan Howard. Those are all first-timers on this ballot. And you can even, I, I would make a case for Alex Rodriguez. I know the steroids, the the the, the steroid scandal killed him, as it as it killed a bunch of Yankee fans. You know, to his reputation in town, and he's had a great repu- a great recovery with the with the public. I think Alex Rodriguez um, actually has been better since he retired uh, as a person than he was, you know, when he was playing. Um, but of course, you know, no one's going to go by that. They're going to go by how what your career looks like, and his career, unfortunately, the way he the way he just was, uh, doesn't matter what your numbers look like. He put it on himself, and that's what's going to cost him the Hall of Fame, unfortunately. Um, so I would make a case for A Rod. I don't see it happening. If David Ortiz does not get in the first ballot, that's about the problem. That is a major problem. I know for the most of his career, he was a DH. But David Ortiz, you know, with batting average of 286 and 541 home runs, um, and over 2,000 hits, like, I would definitely put him in. Like, that's a that to me smells first ballot. If he doesn't get in his first ballot, that's a joke. That's when you know the baseball writers are a joke. It's when you don't put in David Ortiz on your first ballot. David Ortiz is a great player. He's a great baseball guy. He's beloved all across the league, especially in Boston. Get him in. Get him in. And again, good luck to the rest of the folks on that uh, Hall of Fame ballot. And again, uh, major congratulations to those that uh, got in via the committees this season. Uh, Bud Fowler, Buck O'Neill, Gil Hodges. Gil Hodges was was 
Sentinel. He's been gone for a long time. Never got to see himself uh, get inducted. He's finally inducted um, after such a long time. Great for him. Jim Cott's in there. Um, so c- congratulations to everyone that got in via the committee uh, into the Hall of Fame this season. Now, uh, just quickly, uh, Bills, Patriots, uh, Monday night out in Orchard Park. Um, let's just call it what it was. The It was embarrassing for the Buffalo Bills. It was incredibly embarrassing for the Buffalo Bills. I know the Patriots only scored 14 points. And I know there, the, 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 nothing, it was, a, it, look, the, the weather was just awful out there. I, look, obviously weather was a big, big factor into this game. You cannot look in my eye and tell me that giving up 222 yards, Mr. Jordan Poyer and Mr. Micah Hyde, that isn't embarrassing. It is embarrassing. I don't care how many points you gave up. I don't care if there was only one big running play by the Patriots. Uh, the Damian Harris touchdown early on in the game and made that uh, uh, gave the Patriots uh, the, the early lead. Uh, I don't care. That was embarrassing. 222 yards rushing and Mac Jones only threw three times, only made two completions. And you knew that the majority of the game, just by the fact that Mac Jones passed three times, that in itself should have given should have given the Bills a clue that they're running the ball the entire game, and yet they couldn't stop the run. That to me is an embarrassing performance. I don't care what any one of the Bills defense says. That's an embarrassing performance. And just by their... You can go online. You can see the exchange between uh, Poyer, Hyde, and the Buffalo reporter, Jerry Sullivan, um, who, again, asked a great question. Were you embarrassed by that? I would be. Um, You could just, by their answers alone, you know that it's embarrassing. The, The way they were so defensive about it, and the way they handled themselves, like it was just, it just did not look good. And I know this whole thing is pretty much blown over at this point, but clearly that answer was, it pretty much shows that they're embarrassed. And you know what? It, it honestly, if I'm the Buffalo Bills, like I would be incredibly worried. They are in big, big trouble. Um, uh, because they're at seven and five right now, Patriots improved to nine and four. Uh, right now, the Bills are not e- are in the seventh slot again. Uh, I don't know if that really changed much, but um, the Bills are in the seventh slot for the playoffs. So, and they're facing the Buccaneers. And I told you this this schedule for the Bills is not pretty. It is not pretty, and I know. They still have a game against the Jets. Whoopee. But it's not pretty for the Bills. The Bills have to get wins, and I don't see them getting a win. I don't I don't care if Brady has been off all year. This could be a big game for them. I don't know if they win this game against Tampa Bay. I really don't. This is a that 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 Patriots game, they needed to win that game and they, they didn't get it. And that that's gonna be that may 
break their season in May. That that it's gonna be tough. I really hope that the Bills wake up at some point. If they want to make a playoff run, they gotta do it now. Because you look at that AFC. The Steelers have a big game tonight, Thursday night. Um against the Vikings. Colts, they're starting to rise. You know, the AFC's wide open. Even the Dolphins. Like, give credit to the Miami Dolphins who beat up the crummy Giants um, uh, uh, last Sunday. Um, they're on a bye this week. But um, even the Dolphins, man, like, you know, you just never know. Like, they could creep in. The Browns could creep in. The Broncos, they could creep in. Like, these are teams that, you know, are going to do whatever it takes to make sure they get a chance at a playoff spot. So that's why the Bills losing to the Patriots was huge. And their stretch has been awful. You know, you beat up two bad teams. And then, you know, when it comes to the big games against teams that, you know, are trying to get into the playoffs, you... So you don't lay an egg necessarily, but you know I'm trying to find the words. I guess for lack of a better term, let's just say lay an egg. Like it's pretty bad. It was pretty. It was awful. Awful performances so far by the Bills uh, in this these last few weeks. Uh, they do not look to me as a playoff team right now, and they're not showing it. So uh, things have to get better if they want to make the playoffs. Things have to get better if they want to make the playoffs. And uh, let me just say this about the Patriots: it is. Unbelievable how Bill Belichick once again just comes out and just ripping the shred. It's unbelievable what he does with that team, man. Unbelievable. He's back. He's better than ever. And the Patriots, let's be honest, they've won, what, seven in a row now? Let's be honest. They could easily go to the Super Bowl. Easily. Now, look, I know, uh, and, and I'm looking at this team. They could easily, yeah, they have a team to be in the AFC. Yeah, why not? I think so. And I don't know why I'm doubting myself. Yeah, no, the Patriots are definitely, definitely a team to be in the AFC. Definitely a team to be in the AFC. I can definitely see a, uh, right now a Packers-Patriots uh, Super Bowl. Easily. Oh, my God. What a ride for the Patriots. It only took them a year. I wish that were the Jets. Um, again, thank you so much for listening today. Thanks for supporting the podcast, as always. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Facebook. Uh, follow the network on Twitter and Facebook, as well. Uh, go to the website, the thesportsandstandingnetwork.com. Uh, stay tuned for the Thursday Night Gridiron. That's tonight. Uh, Bill, Connor, Alex, Eric all there and um they'll preview Steelers and Vikings tonight thanks so much and have a great day what's going on everyone Lawrence Patchman Lang here president of the Sports Insanity Network just reminding you to go to our website www.thesportsinsanitynetwork where you can read everyone's blogs here on the network and also find about the history of the Sports Insanity Network not completing high school is more of a social thing than it was an academic thing. I came out in the 11th grade. Nobody was embracing you. The 
kids were cruel. It was very difficult to be gay. Even though all these years have passed, I still had that longing to have my diploma. The hard part was determining that I was gonna do it, but I definitely didn't do it alone. At age 30, with the help of her mentor, Carissa finished her high school diploma. I have a mentor, Maria. She convinced me to continue my education and to finish what I started to get my diploma. Just never judges. She's a true role model. If you're even considering getting your high school diploma, go get it. You can do it. No one gets a diploma alone. If you're thinking of finishing your high school diploma, you have help. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. That's finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by the Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council.